Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson on the program with me today. I've got Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, set to join us as well. Uh, on today's program at 4 o'clock, we'll chat with Justin Ferguson, our buddy from the Auburn Observer. At 4.30, walking into our studio will be our good pal Eric McDade as we're going to be covering the bases with Eric McDade on today's program. We'll have birthdays in sports, a nightly TV guide, and so much more here on the program today. I want to say thank you again to the folks for filling in yesterday uh, in my absence as uh, I was away getting set for Auburn men's basketball, the start of their season. Also got to celebrate my birthday. What a fun birthday gift that was to call my first men's college basketball game. Auburn, a 70-52 to defeat over George Mason. Wendell Green Jr., the top scorer for your Auburn Tigers with a remarkable defensive effort and such. We'll continue to talk Auburn football. Uh, first time Ryan and I are on the program this week and we're so fired up and thrilled by the effort, the heart, uh, just the, the passion that we saw from head coach Cadillac Williams and the Auburn football team this past Saturday. And we'll continue to talk about this ongoing coaching search. Our sports call staff was in attendance this morning for John Cohen's introductory press conference as the new athletic director for the Auburn Tigers. So we're going to break that, that down and a whole lot more here on Auburn's First and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Call in and chat with us, 334-887-3401 if you would like to be on the program. Again, my name is JJ Jackson. Ryan LaVoy is here with me. Ryan, how are you? Doing well, man, and uh, enjoyed my time off. Enjoyed some time in the state of Florida. Uh, went to that Orlando Magic Golden State Warriors game Thursday night in Orlando, then went over to Tampa, spent some time with my family who's vacationing down there right now, and then we uh, went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game on Sunday and, and saw what was going to be a very depressing game for Bucks people, but then turned into Jubilee there at the end. Uh, Tom Brady does what he does sometimes. So uh, that was uh, ultimately a lot of fun and a great experience and great to have some time off. And uh, of course, today being election day, hope everyone is utilizing their civil right uh, or their civil duty, excuse me, and their right to vote. So I hope everybody is, uh, is taking advantage of that. And, uh, yeah, it's a, a busy day. Look, you, you have uh, Election Day today, but also uh, Auburn introducing, as you said, John Cohen as the new athletics director for Auburn and had the opportunity to sit in on that. And uh, a few takeaways there uh, to get into. But uh, overall, just a lot going on. Auburn basketball opening up last night inside Neville Arena. 
I mean, there's a lot, man, to talk about. We've got a lot to dive into. Auburn women's basketball will have their season opener a little bit later tonight. 7 o'clock tip-off. You can listen to the game on FM Talk 93.9 if you want to listen to the second season of Johnny Harris as the head coach of Auburn women's hoops. That's coming your way a little bit later this evening. Uh, We did go and vote a little bit earlier today. Very pleased with uh, how swiftly we were able to move through the voting facilities here in Auburn. And, uh, yeah, onward we go as we get set for another fun week of Auburn athletics. Let's talk a little bit about the Tigers' win against Mississippi State. Or, excuse me, defeat, almost win. Uh, wanted it to be a well, win. Well, they won in the athletics director Yeah, uh, exactly. They won that contest. Exactly. Unfortunately, fell just a bit short there in overtime uh, against Mississippi State. But uh, how much fun was watching that game, Ryan, and, and just truly seeing passion in Auburn football once again? I think Auburn – felt something uh, and especially the fans felt something for the first time and in several weeks at minimum maybe since before the Penn State game you could tell how bad Auburn wanted that and and how much it meant to Cadillac Williams uh, to be the interim coach and to continue to be this interim coach for the next few weeks and then for the Auburn people to get behind Cadillac um, we, we speculated earlier this year that whenever Brian Harson was fired, and if it was during the season, that maybe Zach Etheridge would be the interim. He had the Auburn ties. He'd been a little bit more experienced in the coaching world, uh, obviously a part of several Auburn football teams. But Cadillac Williams has just had a special place in Auburn's fans' hearts and minds. And although he did not have as much experience, um, he was obviously chosen to be the interim. And that has been just bolstered the energy in the program now it doesn't mean a whole lot in the scheme of things other than these guys are are playing really hard they're they're doing their best and the excitement around auburn for a three and six football team is probably as high as you can get for a three and six football team that people are very excited i think jordan Hare will look patently um, loud and exciting on Saturday night when they play another 3-6 and six team. Again, you, you would think Auburn and A&M on this Saturday would be a top-10 matchup with, I think, as much energy is going to be in that place. But I think when you're looking at the Auburn-Mississippi State game as a whole, you saw the kind of lack of experience in that first half, trying to get everything together. Kind of like talked about the things he was having to be helped with game plan-wise. Down 24-6 at half, not good. Getting beat pretty good. But in the second half, you saw adjustments, good adjustments for the first time, I don't know, maybe since Gus Malzahn. <laughs> Seriously, the first time since 2020 or 2019. They came out with a fire and were able to match the fire with some quality plays. And they were running Robbie Astro on those QB sweeps. Tank Bigsby got loose for a big run. Unfortunately, the passing game was just not there. But... I mean, they took a lead twice, and Cadillac Williams tried to make that kicker for State make that same field goal three times, and credit to him, he made it all three times. Uh, And and so Auburn could not get that done in regulation. Then in overtime, you miss a field goal, and 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 you know if you're the first team up, you miss a field goal. You know you're, you're pretty much up against it. But the team fought like hell, and... When you're a, a not a good, when you're a bad football team, let's say what it is, Auburn's a bad football team. The only thing you have to hold on to is your effort, 
and your pride and your desire. And Auburn demonstrated that they have all those things. And that's important because that hard work is the foundation of success. You can say it's talent, and that's great. That's awesome. But if you're talented and you don't give a crap, you're not going to achieve your potential. You're not going to do the things you can do. But hard work will achieve its potential every single time. And they're still working hard. They still want it bad. And that's all you can ask out of a team that at this point in the season can't really accomplish anything it wanted to accomplish, anything it thought it could accomplish. And so um, proud of what Auburn did. I know X's and O's wise, it was still a struggle. Uh, again, Robbie Astrid as a passer is just not doing it. And they're, they're pretty one-dimensional. They still committed a lot of penalties, even though some of them were questionable. So, again, the fundamentals, Auburn's just not a good football team. That won't change in three weeks. It's not. But what could have changed is their effort because that's what happened in 2012. Same circumstance in terms of a really poor season with a couple close calls kind of early or a couple missed opportunities, and then it went and they quit, and it was not even competitive the rest of the year. Well, that's been competitive here. And it's continued to be competitive, and that's a testament to those guys in the locker room. But then Cadillac Williams leading them with a passion that only an Auburn man for Let Loves Auburn can show. Tigers will have to win out if they do want to go to a bowl game and finish with a 6-6 six and six record. Uh, Auburn did find out after the game was over, announced yesterday by interim head coach Cadillac Williams, that Austin Troxel was lost for the remainder of the season, had season-ending surgery, which brings an end to a six-year career on the offensive line for the Auburn Tigers. So uh, Auburn fans are certainly grateful for Troxel's service to the program, to the football team, but it will be a, a younger offensive of line moving forward into the final three games of the season 24 to 6 the score at the break the offense really picked it up but the defense kind of got into a groove as well against the air raid offense of mike leach ryan what was it that you thought the defense did in the second half in particular yeah well i think it always starts with some pressure and some chaotic plays i mean anytime i'm going to leave the leach offense aside for 30 seconds Anytime you give a quarterback worth their salt time to throw, and it's become three se- four seconds becomes six seconds and eight seconds, they'll find somebody. Right. They, they're going to find somebody, and that's what Auburn did wrong in 2021. Is they got the lead, they felt good about it, so they just kind of backed off and they were rushing three, and they said, "Oh, we'll make them have to do seven yards of time." Well, guess what? <laughs> Mississippi State's absolutely okay to pass it for seven yards of time because they they're going to complete a high percentage of their passes, and they're going to be fine if they get five seven yards in a cloud of dust when they pass, unlike a lot of teams. And so, what Auburn did was they brought up some pressure, but more importantly, just the guys that did blitz, they got home. They forced some chaotic plays. Uh, they they had several. I, I, I don't know. The, the numbers are not in front of me. They felt like they had several uh, negative yardage plays on Mississippi State in the second half. I mean, I'm now looking at the drive chart. Seven plays, nine yards. Two plays, negative three yards and a pick. Four plays, eight yards. So that's three down again. Three, three plays, five yards. Six plays, 12 yards. Three plays, four yards. I mean, they completely got them out of sync, and it just felt like they were creating a negative play every single drive from that point. And so I just thought that they they did a good job of 
of, of any team should do it, of just not letting Will Rogers have a million years to throw. Ten tackles for a loss for Auburn, five sacks. That's a really solid job. And so that's the, that's the end game against Mississippi State. Get as much pressure as you can with not having to do man coverage because then man coverage, you, do, you have all these quick man beaters and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, you utilize both man and zone so that there's not going to be constant, oh, well, we can expect them to do that. You still need to play some man. I'm not saying that. But if you blitz, if you blitz seven, blitz six, and it's one-on-one, State's usually okay with that, too. You have to mix up some man zone. You just have to mix up, but the bottom line is you have to get pressure, and Auburn did that. And, again, five sacks. Um, that was a really di- a, a big mentality for them in the second half. Tigers now get ready for a game on Saturday night. Saturday night football coming up for Auburn at home against Texas A&M. Let's take our first commercial break of today's show. When we come back, James from Montgomery will be on the program with us next here on Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back into the program at Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Give us a call to join the show. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine auburn bank is our proud sponsor of the sports call phone line without further ado let's go to the phone lines for the first time during today's program and calling in to chat with us now is our good pal james from montgomery james has called into the show today hello james hello and war eagle war eagle sir yeah, I am ready and excited to see what Auburn is actually going to do this weekend against Texas A&M. I'm excited for it as well. I, I, you know, we had a, a great Auburn football game this past weekend. Unfortunately, uh, Auburn wasn't able to win it, but maybe they'll be able to beat Texas A&M. That's certainly the goal. Yeah, so if we actually come out at home under the lights in Jordan-Hare Stadium with a big win, um, I think in the quarterback's position, I think they need to – uh, put Robbie Ashford in the back, uh, like in the second string, and start Zach Calzada first string as well. Well, remember, Zach Calzada is currently injured. He's out for the season. He will not be uh, able to play a football game until next oh. season, so we can't play him. Okay, so who will be the 
next guy that's going to step up in the quarterback's position. Well, Robbie Ashford had a great game, so I, I think he's still going to be your quarterback for the Tigers. Holden Gurner is his backup quarterback right now uh, with T.J. Finley's status unknown. So uh, Holden Gurner is, uh, is the next option. Okay, so if we don't start uh, – we're going to keep Robbie Ashford for this game and Western Kentucky – uh, next week, and then we could start for the Iron Bowl. We could start uh, Garner as well, just to see how he'll do in uh, Tuscaloosa uh, this coming up week. Uh, you know, in a few weeks from now as well. So I just want to see how he's going to do in uh, in this big matchup with uh, Alabama as well. Yeah, we we certainly could see that as an option. I'd say so. Yeah, because I mean, with 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 Auburn and Mississippi State, I looked at it. Uh, I was looking at the highlights from uh, you know last week, and I knew that Robbie Robert Ashford, uh, Robbie Ashford, uh, made some mistakes. He dropped the ball and he fumbled it. He like tried to you know trying to get out of the out of the tackle box, but he couldn't get out of it fast enough. So I think he needs to work on his footing just. You know, just to get his feet up under him as well. Might help moving forward. Might help him moving forward, sure. Yeah, and then I was watching over the weekend, I was watching Texas A&M and seeing uh, their quarterback, and uh, he made a couple of mistakes as well. So I think if we actually hold them to like a first and 10 or first and uh, 15, then we have a good uh, advantage of winning at home under the lights in Jordan Hare Stadium as well. But we'll feel a lot better when it's third and 15 or third and 10 because when it's first down, you know that second and third down are coming. But when it's third down, if you get the big stop, then the team has to punt the football back to you. Yeah, so if we do stop them on third and 10 uh, on, you know, on Texas A&M side, we might as well put somebody in backfield that has, uh, you know, uh, like the Tyreek Hill uh, speed. So I think I'm not quite sure on who's going to be the, the kick returner for Auburn. So I don't know who we have that's, that's very fast like Tyreek Hill. So that's why I'm just saying that as well. Because I know we do have somebody that can run like that as well. Yeah, we've got a couple of really fast players on the Auburn football team that could be options. Yeah, so if we actually put one of those one of those guys on the on the uh, kick return, um, you know, in the kick return for Auburn, I mean, they could just run it instead of running it straight up the middle. They can run it on the side, just like uh, Chris Davis as well, if they can do that, and that will make it a little bit harder for Texas A and M to actually make uh, a huge comeback. But I think this is going to be a good. Auburn team this weekend as well. I think so too. I think so too. I'm really excited for what Auburn football's got going on right now. Yes, as well. And then with me being so uh, happy, um, I actually was listening to the uh, men's uh, basketball game over the weekend, and I am so happy that they've actually won against George Madison, and the ladies actually took a big win um, during the exhibition game. Uh, against uh, Tuskegee as well, and I was uh, listening to that replay of that game uh, over the weekend as well, and and I think we're really going to do a really good job 
on the men's and women's side of uh, Auburn basketball this year. Yeah, it's fun that the season is back here uh, uh, upon us. Really excited about that. Yeah, Auburn had a big win yesterday against George Mason, not George Madison. Uh, they had a big oh, win okay. against George Mason. Okay, so I do apologize for that one it's all on, good. Uh, on on that university. But I think Auburn on the men's side, I think they might make it to the Final Four this year. Wow, and, that'd be great. And actually seeing uh, Auburn actually playing like, uh, like you know, North Carolina or Duke or Gonzaga, you know, just to name those few teams off the off the twenty twenty three uh, March Madness board as well. So I think we have that uh, covered when that actually when that time comes sometime real real soon. So I would like to see Bruce Pearl actually uh, take these Tigers to another. Uh, Final Four uh, this year as well. I'd love to see that as well, buddy. That would be absolutely epic if Auburn were able to do that. Yeah, and then I know we do have a game. We have a big game tonight in Sam Houston, and I think this one is going to be a big, big scoring game under um, under uh, head coach uh, Johnny Harris, and I know today is her birthday as well, so I know she's going to have a lot of fans out there in Noble Arena and uh, celebrating her birthday as well, and I wish Auburn uh, actually gets a big win out of this just for her for tonight's game as well. I certainly agree. And James, I want to say thank you to you as well for sending me a a couple of birthday messages yesterday. That was very thoughtful. I had a very good birthday. (laughs) Oh, well, thanks. I had to, you know, put that in there as well. And um, that's all I that's all I uh, do when um, when I have a lot of friends on my Facebook page, like you all have been my friends for almost what years. So I just have to see uh, whose birthday else would uh, come up as well. So I know Ryan LaVoy's birthday is right around the corner. So I will send him a birthday uh, a birthday shout out on uh, his Facebook as well. And uh, is he in the studio today? Uh, I am James, but uh, my birthday is not till uh, February fifteenth. Okay, okay. Uh, sorry, um, but hey, that's that was, okay. But hey, you got some time to prepare for his birthday I'm, message. I'm always down for a birthday month or a birthday year or you know, anything like that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was uh, thinking about uh, Tom Peavy's yeah. birthday. That was his, that's right around the corner. His birthday is on Thursday. His birthday yeah. is uh, on Thursday this week. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, congratulations to your uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, are you going to um, are you going to their game this Sunday in Germany? I will not be able to make it to Germany, James. But uh, I wish I could. Um, it's just such a long trip, and, and I, I, I'm only going to the games in Florida this year. But uh, hopefully, the Bucks can still pull it out in Germany. Yeah, so I do. Um, I wish. I wish the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers would give me a big win uh, this weekend as well. So I'm hoping that they're going to see what they're actually going to do. And uh, they're actually giving me a lot of points in my fantasy league as well. And I am four and five, and I am edging my way into the first week by of the playoffs as well. That's what we like to hear. And don't forget your friend Brooks Childress. Brooks Childress is here, and Brooks Childress is your friend on Facebook too. His birthday is in March. Yeah, so I, I will um, do that as well. And, and Brooks um, is a Patriots fan. Yeah, so I do have um, one of his uh, tight ends from the New England Patriots, so I'm just going to keep him in and uh, 
seeing what they're going to do when they actually come off of the bye week next, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday as well, and uh, seeing if they're going to make it to the Super Bowl as well. Which uh, which player do you have, James? Um, I will get that uh, for you. Um, let me find it. I have your tight end. I think his name is Hunter Henry. Yeah, Hunter Henry. He's a good one. Yeah, so I am going to keep him in there as well and um, seeing what my Cowboys are going to do uh, this week because we do have a good classic matchup coming up this Sunday. Uh, We go to Green Bay, so this is one of the um, big matchups and one of the historic matchups as well. So um, I'm seeing if Dak Prescott is actually going to be um, making some uh, Super Bowl um, runs this week as well. That's the ultimate goal, that's for sure. We hope that can happen for them. Yes, as well. And then we did actually add a new wide receiver. Uh, we actually picked up Odell Beckham Jr., so he will be on the practice squad for the Dallas Cowboys. So he will be playing. Um, he won't be in. He won't be active until next season of 2023. That's a long time to keep somebody on your practice squad. Are you sure that happened? Yes, it did happen. It um, it did came. Uh, it was uh, confirmed by Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy. So they're actually going to put him on the practice squad and run him through some uh, drills and seeing if he's going to be a good fit because I know he has a lot of Super Bowl um, mentality under his belt. Um, so I think he will be a really good fit for the uh, Cowboys to actually make that decision come to light and seeing if uh, we're making another Super Bowl run with him as well. Okay, well, we'll see what happens there. We'll, we will see what happens there. So uh, we appreciate the phone call today, James. Yeah, so I did um, want it Auburn and 16 a.m. Uh, trivia because I know we do play them this weekend as well. So we'll have that queued up for tomorrow. How about that? All right? All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. There's our good pal James from Montgomery joining us here on the program here today. We got to take our next time out. War Dame Steve joins the program after this here on Sports Call. the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy. We hope that everyone is doing well on this Tuesday. You can be a part of the show by giving us a call, 334-887-3401. 
to be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer will join us uh, in a little while. Eric McDade will be in the building as well. We'll be covering the bases with Eric McDade State Farm, talking about the uh, college football season so far. Playoff rankings coming out a little bit later tonight. The head coaching search for the Auburn Tigers and more. Uh, Brooks, I'm going to turn to you yeah. first, and uh, I would just love to hear from you sure. what you took away from uh, John Cohen's introductory press conference earlier today. Uh, Auburn, How was it, man? Auburn being Auburn. <laughs> that, that was a big talking point that uh, it wanted in his intro. He did not shy away from that. No, but he, he didn't go just Auburn being Auburn. He just said he went Auburn being Auburn. Um, yeah, yeah, I forgot the just. I mean, it, it was you know pretty pretty political. There was not uh, nothing that was said that was like, oh my gosh, he said that, or oh why didn't he say this? This, you know, it, it, he answered the questions in the uh, in the most non-answer way possible where it was hey we're you know we're in the middle of a search it's it's consuming a lot of time about the football coach but i'm not going to give anybody a timeline because then you're going to start you know if, if things go longer you're going to you know come and say why isn't this done yet and so you know and he, he was asked directly do you have the are you making the hire and is it you know your decision and he said yeah chris roberts told me that this is my decision i'm going to listen to what other people have to say um because you know he, he, one person can't do it all themselves but and so, but it's that the final decision is going to be his so it, it you know it sounds like this is uh you know he, he's settling in fine um uh, I, I think that he's you know got a task in front of him that it's that's bigger than I, i'm not going to say bigger than what he had at mississippi state but yeah it was a little bit a little bit bigger because the auburn football job is couple steps above a Mississippi State football coach and you know he was asked about you know he made two football hires at Mississippi State one is Joe Moorhead that didn't end up working out the other is Mike Leach who was uh, a kind of a wow at the time but now it's kind of like eh I mean he's gonna win you eight nine games a year maybe get you up to a 10 win season every once in a while but doesn't seem like they're in a, ever in a position to challenge uh, the the hires of the the SEC West to for an SEC championship and so you know, it, it. This is a big hire for him to start off. It's a big. It would be a big hire for anybody to start off uh, when you're hiring a football coach, and that's your first, you know, big move of your new job, and you've got to get it right. And there was, you know, so much animosity uh, with the last football regime, and uh, seeing where that was going, and there was so much, you know. Uh, fan base the last time there was a coaching change was back and forth of who it should be and it's kind of starting to get there right now where it's back and forth who it should be but you know he's just got to he he made it seem this after, earlier today that this was uh he was up to the task yeah he's ready for to take on the challenge and you know that now he, he's got the introduction i know he's been working but now the introductory press conference is done he's got to hit the ground running and start moving 334-887-3401 or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine to be a part of the program as we go back to our auburn bank phone line ward damn steve retired ward damn steve is there waiting hello steve a belated war damn happy birthday to you mr jj jackson <laughs> thank you so much steve i greatly appreciate that hey uh I hear you're uh, going up in the uh, in your age now. You're getting up in, in the years now. Twenty seven, huh? That's right, twenty seven. No doubt, no right. doubt. But you 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 hang in there, okay? <laughs> That's the goal. That's the plan. Listen, I I enjoyed extremely enjoyed uh, watching and hearing your commentaries last night. I lost uh, 
uh, Coach uh, Joe Champion. It was really good. Uh, in fact, I told the guys yesterday, uh, might you be uh, expecting a uh, call from ESPN Sports Center? That's the goal. We'll, we'll keep trying to, to progress and grow in this field and, and love the opportunities I've got here with Sports Call and uh, that sort of thing. But to, yeah, I have, so, I have so much fun doing play-by-play. And men's college basketball is such a fast pace with everything uh, that uh, it was an absolute blast for sure. Now, speaking of ESPN, guys, it was talking heads to get all the, uh, I guess, uh, the, the, the narratives that they want to shoot out there, especially about Auburn lately, uh, especially on game day uh, recently. You know, I, I'm going to use the F word. I didn't know, and I was a little bit skeptical if uh, uh, Mississippi State alum uh, might be the right F word for us, you know, the fit. Yes, yes. If folks aren't aware of the joke there, John Cohen kept referring to the F word in his press conference and then using the word fit over and over and over again. So, yes, a lot of people were a little skeptical of his fit here at Auburn, Steve. And if, you know, you just uh, heard the ESPN guys like Reese Davis and the rest of those clowns, uh, you'd have us think that uh, Auburn was just a land of dysfunction. You know, uh, who'd want to come to Auburn to be a coach? And then I saw and heard his comments, and I read them. And what just really uh, impressed me was when he said this, because he was asked, you know, why? He said, in fact, he, he brought it out there. He didn't hedge around it. He said, well, he probably people asked him, well, why would you come to Auburn? And what was the answer? One of them that he gave to me just impressed me. He says, the people in Mississippi State have been so great to you. It's been such a wonderful experience. What are you doing? Why Auburn? And then he said, what? You look on the other side and say, Auburn, wow. I feel like there's been a whole lot of wow for me, and I felt that way about Auburn for a long time. I haven't heard those kind of comments from outside observer, and I don't know when, guys. Uh, that one took me uh, by just a complete surprise. What were your thoughts or comments about uh, what he said? I was very impressed. I mean, that was kind of a, I walked away feeling like, uh, yeah, this is absolutely a man that can be the leader of the Auburn Athletic Department, uh, someone who's got so much respect. I appreciated him pointing out the fact, uh, and he got confirmation from his wife, Nell, who was in attendance, that in his lifetime, he has now lived in seven different SEC cities uh, and towns, and so he's very aware of what it takes to be successful in this conference. He's got a pedigree to go along with it, um, a storied career as a coach himself and uh, he was asked a couple of times about how his coaching perspective helps him in his role of, uh, of athletic director and, and so yeah I just walked away a, a big fan of his and I, I appreciate his real candidness about because when he said you know if he had taken his job when he was younger he back then he said um, he was a, a talker a lot but now he said at his age uh, he, he's a much better listener and that he plans on going around getting input from other people, but he said the final decision will be mine. Yeah, I mean... And yeah, go ahead, Steve. And, and, uh, that was good, and, uh, that was good uh, to hear him say Because all these message boards, uh, all 247, everybody's saying, you know, all uh, people already saying this. Uh, uh, Lane Kiffin has been offered 9 to $10 million, but he's turned it down. And I get the impression that nobody knows squat what's being offered, not being offered, and who's being offered. This guy says, hey... I have made decisions, and there's no pressure. Uh, in fact, he said, I'm not into pressure. Uh, I'm going to take my time, but I'm going to make sure that whatever coach I hire, he's going to meet these uh, three criteria, right? Culture, 
X's and O's, and what was the third one? Recruiting. Yeah, I haven't heard that in a long time. He he had a big old list there of all of different things he didn't even talk about. Right. So that to me, I, I feel encouraged. And JJ, I'm going to plead with you, man. Okay. Uh, please, you are the guy that can get people on here that uh, I'm just continue to be, you know, amazed by. I would I would love for you to do whatever you could do to get Coach Williams Cadillac on the show. Uh, and let maybe someone even call and talk to him real briefly. Maybe if it's not until after the football season, but if you could please just get him on, because that guy made me Saturday night care about all the football again. Without a doubt, no question there whatsoever. You'd have to be after the football season comes to a close, but that would be an absolute honor to welcome him here inside our studios. And uh, like he said, you know, uh, we may not win any of the remaining football games, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to be watching him, and I won't be having an apathetic, you know, uh, feeling about it. I mean, I was I was yelling and screaming with my daughter uh, during the end of the, that game in the fourth quarter because I really believed we were going to win the game. We didn't, and a lot of moral victories. I said that yesterday, but Dad Gummit, you know, uh, I, I would I'd have been ready at 71 years old if he told me, "Steve, we need you." I'd put on a jersey. I'd taken the hit for the team. Yeah, <laughs> we love uh, our Auburn uh, Tigers. That's for sure. You know, I saw him go up and down sideline. I'm sure you guys did. Uh, you know, encouraging the the, the players. Nobody's heads were down. He was slapping them on the back, uh, and he said, "It's all on me." He had an the, amazing spirit about him for sure. So, uh, you know, he obviously. I don't think he's ready to be, you know, a a coach at least not at Auburn yet. Uh, maybe later. Maybe sometime later. But Dad Burnett, I hope whoever is hired, they will strongly consider. Uh, keeping him on. I'm sure right. they will. Moving yeah. on, guys. About last night's real quick about the game. Uh, I love the defense. Broom, I think he's going to be an outstanding uh, asset uh, to the team. Uh, I was really dismayed. I don't know what happened to Alan Flanagan last night. I mean, he was just uh, cold, guys. What What's going on, you think? He's got to find his rhythm once again. I mean, he had 14 points or averaged 14 points a game as a sophomore last year. It kind of bumped back down uh, to six points a contest. And so first game of the season, everybody's trying to figure out their new roles and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and it just didn't seem like there was a level of aggressiveness from Flanagan. Didn't feel like he was trying to uh, get his shots, so to speak. And so maybe uh, that can improve in the next few games for Auburn. Speaking of le- a level of aggressiveness, uh, uh, yeah, I know you saw it. I love the crap out of uh, not only Kade, uh Johnson, but Dylan Cardwell. Yeah, he talks a lot a of trash, and he was having fun. And, and uh, I mean, he kept blocking shots. Yeah, five uh, blocks. Right, defensively, I thought we did excellent. But please tell me this will not continue. Sixteen percent from the three-point line. Yeah, oh bad three-point shooting. Awful three-point shooting. Awful. Oh, good lord! Uh, and the free throws. I mean, sixty-two percent. I mean, we're going to lose games. Uh, the free For throws. For sure. Got to make those shots. No doubt about that. Oh, the shooting has to improve. I can't imagine that Coach Pearl is pleased with uh, those two categories. He wasn't. I, I can tell you firsthand. He was not. <laughs> he, he was not. But yeah, I saw it was like nine. 9,100 9, people were attending. Uh, did it seem that full to you? Because I couldn't tell. It was crowd. so loud, yeah. It was it was unbelievably loud. You could tell it was the first game of the season for sure, and so many people were excited to be watching that team play again. So when can we uh, see and hear you again on uh, the TV broadcast? 
Uh, that uh, as of right now, I, uh, I I don't have any more men's basketball games scheduled for the year. Hopefully, I'll get a few more opportunities if needed. I've got some women's games on my schedule, but uh, just okay. grateful to get the first okay. one. That's not good to hear. Look, JJ, I know some people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to be who, my uh, agent for me and, and, and just uh, you know send raving endorsements, I would appreciate yeah. that. Just give me the word, and I'll be making some phone calls. <laughs> uh, you need to be back on there. Okay? There you go. Thank you, All Steve. Right, I appreciate it. Out of here. Thank you for your time, guys. As always, my time is way up uh, until uh, probably tomorrow. Oh, I hope please everybody go vote. I have voted. Uh, the three of us went together, please, Steve. Me, Ryan, and Brooks all went this go morning. go vote, okay? Please go vote. Do not be taking this uh, as a no big deal, because it is. Uh, with that said, guys. Were you able to get in the voting center quickly? Uh, Pretty smooth? I, yeah, I, I live in Baldwin County, so I went to a local voting site at a church here uh, in uh, Fairhope. Uh, there's hardly very many people. I yeah. went about. We got in and out pretty quickly today. I was very yeah. impressed. So no excuses, people. Uh, in other countries, it's not that um, it's not that easy to go vote. Uh, so please do it. But until next time, guys, have a safe afternoon, and I'll listen to the podcast later on. And uh, War Eagle always. And wow, it's good to be an Auburn football fan again. Amen. Amen, indeed. War Eagle, Steve. That's our pal, retired War Damn Steve, joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to be on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Auburn basketball, a winner last night, 70-52. to The final score, 18-point victory for the Tigers against the Patriots of George Mason. Uh, coming up in hour number two, we're going to chat with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Eric McDade will be by as we cover the bases with him later tonight, 7 p.m. tip-off, the debut of the Auburn Tigers women's basketball season as they take on Sam Houston. You can listen to that game on FM Talk 93.9. My name is J.J. Jackson. I work alongside Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM, but on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. Coming up at 4.30 today, our good pal Eric McDade from State Farm will be here in the studio with us. We'll be covering the bases with Eric McDade. Thrilled to have him on our program. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please make sure that you follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sports Call AU. You can also subscribe to the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola wherever you get your podcast and download our Tiger Communications app to stay up to speed and up to date on all of our news. Let's go to our phone lines now to open up the second hour of the program as we now welcome in one of our favorites. His name is Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer and he's kind enough to join us here on the show today. Ferg, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you on this Tuesday, my friend? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Can't complain. Very excited to uh, talk about the Auburn football season so far, the start of the men's basketball game last night, uh, and so much more. So uh, we take a look at Auburn football this past weekend, and boy, things look just totally different. Tons of energy on Saturday for that football team. Yeah, I thought they played really, really well, uh, despite the circumstances. I mean, you had a team and a staff that really couldn't have a whole lot of time to put a put a plan together and uh you know they they executed i mean got off to a rough start could have easily folded uh but for the first time all year it's not that auburn fought and they played hard i mean they've been doing that all season but it was the fact that they were able to actually turn that into something in the end and they you know i thought they did a great job of actually making a comeback put themselves in position to win that game uh, just made a little too many mistakes especially on special teams uh, but I mean, in, in the circumstances, you got to be you got to be really pleased with the effort uh, for Auburn under Cadillac Williams in his first game. Trying to think about Ferg, just their second half performances, not only this year but really in the entire Brian Harson tenure. Can you yeah. think of a better second half turnaround than than in Starkville on Saturday? Uh, I mean, maybe not a turnaround. Yeah, I mean, I think I think. Um, I go back to really the last few games that Auburn was like even impressive uh, in the second half, and it's like Arkansas last year, uh, where Arkansas kind of fought back in the middle of the game, and then Auburn kind of put them away in the second half. Um, but yeah, I mean it's been a minute, it's it's been a while, and Mississippi State's a different animal at home than they are on the road. Um, the fact that Auburn's defense played as well as they did, they had nine straight drives uh, where they didn't score, uh, where State didn't score at all. Um, I think that that stood out, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I, there Auburn didn't really change a ton. Um, you know, you didn't see a whole lot of schematic changes, strategic changes outside of a couple, maybe. Uh, but you know, they they had a, they had what it took to kind of fire through and, and come out with the come out with a really good performance, fall short of the win. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was it was a change. It was a like immediate change from what you had seen under Brian Harson. You, you talked about not a whole lot of different uh, things schematically. W- one thing I noticed with what they were doing with Robbie Astrid is they ran a QB sweep play very effectively multiple times. Not something we've never seen out of them, but just something that they were ran a lot of against Mississippi State. And, and given that Astrid has continued, really the entirety of the passing game has continued to struggle, do you expect an even heavier lean on QB design runs? Because we know w- Astrid has run the ball a lot, but sometimes it's just been purely scrambling. Do you think we'll continue to see an uptick in design for QB runs. Oh, for sure. I think that was something we saw for Auburn on Saturday that just wasn't um, it wasn't what we saw under Harson. He's just they they were very hesitant to run him 
um, you know, uh, as, as a design runner. It doesn't seem to be an issue for uh, this, you know, staff, and it's, it's what Astrid's good at. He's just still way too inconsistent as a passer. He played well against Arkansas through the air, played poorly against Ole Miss. It's kind of how it is. Um, but what he can do is run and make things happen, and it doesn't just have to be scrambling. It can be on a design run. So I think, I think that's something they got to continue to lead on moving forward, and it just only opens things up, I think, for guys like Tank Bigsby and Jericho's Hunter. Justin, turning on, uh, looking on the other side of the ball, what was your ta- takeaways from the defensive play this weekend? I thought the defensive line was the difference in the game. Uh, Auburn really, really got after him in the line of scrimmage. Um, that made a huge difference in this matchup. Uh, Colby Wooden, Derek Hall, Marcus Harris, Jeffrey Embaugh, I mean, just a lot of those guys played really, really well. Um, and uh, it, that, was a, that was a big difference. Um, you know, and the other thing was Auburn rotated on defense really for the first time all season to a decent degree. Now, I think some of that was out of necessity. They had some flu going around on the team last week, so guys weren't 100%. Um, you know, that, that played a part into it. But also, it's just, you know, I think they were fresher in the second half because you saw guys like M. Bob get on the field. You had two former walk-on linebackers, or at least one former walk-on and one current walk-on linebacker go out and make plays. Uh, you saw – freshman getting involved in, in the secondary and it's kind of like all hands on deck at this point in the season um and I, again like i said some of that's by necessity that was the one thing about brian harson's tenure at auburn and I, I truly never got you know got to understand was like why does this team not rotate as much on defense and we were used to seeing a ton of that under kevin Steele. um even though the defensive staff's completely the same from where it was. I mean, none of, none of the defensive assistants got fired. <laughs> you know, last week, Jeff Schmetting's still in charge of this defense. Even though that was the case, we saw them rotate and use a lot more players. And so I think that's a good sign. That's, that's going to be a good way to keep everybody engaged, keep everybody fresh, uh, you know, keep these guys fighting all the way through the end of the season. Justin, you mentioned all hands on deck. Well, it, it's been this way all year, but it continues to be that way for the offensive line. And now that Austin Troxel has gone down for the season, you got Brendan Coffey is listed as the starter for the weekend uh, against Texas A&M. What are your thoughts on how this offense, offensive line is going to look for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's just like you got to roll out with whoever you got at this point and, and, and hope, hope for the best. I mean, it's still very inconsistent in pass protection. I thought the run block was a little bit better against Mississippi State. Uh, on the whole, especially after the first quarter, but I think some of that was also due to just some of the schematic stuff that Mississippi State was doing on that side of the ball. I think Jeremiah Wright, when he's not committing penalties, is a great, you know, great addition to that run blocking unit. Um, I think you've seen some consistencies from, from some other guys start to take hold. But yeah, there's still errors, there's still problems. Um, the good news is uh, for, for Auburn, you, know, you look at the A and M matchup this week. Teams that have committed to run the ball on A and M have been able to run the ball on A and M pretty well. Um, they've had some injuries uh, on their defensive front. So I, I do think Auburn's in a position where, you know, it, it's not going to be sparkling. It's not, they're not going to be great, I don't think, on the offensive line. But I think they're in a position here, um, especially this weekend, back at home to play a game where they can, they can make a difference. You know, it doesn't have to be, hey, Auburn's got to succeed on offense in spite of their offensive line. I think they can be a part of the factor. I think they'd be part of it. You know, they'd be a factor. They'd be a part of the picture. They definitely were that 
against Mississippi State, and I think A&M presents some similar opportunities. So, Justin, let's look ahead to this Texas A&M game on Saturday. Two teams that uh, the, the loser will be disqualified for making a bowl game. Obviously, for Auburn having Alabama ahead, still not looking very promising, even with a win. But the, the moral of the story is these two teams have been incredibly disappointing this year. However, with the Cadillac Williams uh, hiring in the interim basis, uh, he's really rejuvenated this fan base, it feels. What kind of environment are you expecting on Saturday, and what are you looking Looking forward to in this game? I think it has potentially the best environment Auburn's had since the Penn State game. Um, I thought the LSU game was also a pretty good environment. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Um, fans, you had to walk away encouraged by that game. I mean, this is, I mean, a team like Auburn, you usually don't have moral victories because, heck, you're a top 15 program in, in college football. Like, you, you, you don't do those, that very often. But in the circumstances, the way Auburn played, the way they rallied, the way they finished, and just the effort they showed made a lot of people proud on Saturday night. And I thought win or lose, no matter what happened in Starkville, I felt like Auburn was going to, you know, really embrace Cadillac and this staff and these players for that final big home game. And then what I saw on Saturday night in Starkville just amplified that even more. So I think, you know, in a year where you didn't have a Georgia game, you didn't have an Alabama game at home, and the Penn State game looked pretty ugly after the first half. This is the potential to be the best atmosphere Auburn has all year, and so it should be a lot of fun. Justin Ferguson is here with us from the Auburn Observer. You can follow him on Twitter at JFergusonAU. Earlier today, John Cohen was officially introduced as the athletic director for Auburn University. Any takeaways, Ferg? Yeah, I mean, I, was, I, I liked hearing from Cohen. Um, I think he's got, uh, he's got a little bit of that got a little bit of that coach in him still uh, when he talks. Um, it's not a lot of empty just words. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people in administration, uh, you know, in college athletics can get really good at saying a lot of things without saying much of anything at all. I appreciated that John Cohen had some short answers. I appreciate that John Cohen, if he wasn't going to talk about something or he wasn't going to get into details or he didn't know, he just said it. Um, and so I thought that was – no, that was, a, that was a that was a change of pace from what you usually see from athletic directors. Um, so that was that was kind of cool to see. Now hearing him kind of talk about why Auburn was interesting, you know, and and we all know it. Like Auburn, you have more resources, you have more opportunities to succeed X, Y, and Z at Auburn than you do at Mississippi State. However, Mississippi State's home for him, and so for him to talk about Auburn in the elevated view that he did, um, I think really kind of shed a light of like, okay, this is why this guy made this move um, because he kind of had it made a Mississippi State, I think, with just the fact that he had been there for, for most of his you know career going back to his playing days. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it, it was a really good, impressive uh, intro press conference. Um, he gave some insight on what he's looking for in the coaching search for football. Uh, but ultimately, I just, yeah, I think it's, it's a change of pace. It's something different than what Auburn's kind of been used to from the AD uh, job. Um over the last decade plus, and uh, we will see how much that clicks early on. You were back inside Neville Arena last night for the uh, the start officially of the new college basketball season as Auburn took on George Mason. Uh, talk us through your experience back in the arena, Ferg, and, and what stood out about the game. I think the thing that stood out to me is that Auburn jumped out to a huge lead early on, um, and it was with defense. I mean, they choked the life out of George Mason for most of that first half. Good bit of that second half, too. 
just defensively dominant. Hold of that Georgia Mason team to 52. You know, they play slow, um, so it's not like stunning by any means, but this is a very efficient offense in college basketball last year. A ton of experience came back, and you hold that team to 52. You force that many turnovers. You make sure they don't do much of anything for me from deep. Uh, you know, Josh Aduro is one of the best mid-major players in the country, and he was not very much a factor in this game. It's a great performance by Auburn's defense. thought Janai Broom and Dylan Carwell did great work down low. I thought Auburn's perimeter game on defense, they were in people's pockets the whole game. Um, awesome defense. And that's the thing. It's like people are going to point to the shooting, and the shooting numbers were very bad. Y'all can see that. But when you play the defense like Auburn did and you get extra possessions and you and you and you work the boards as well as they did, um, you know, and take out that many shots, you can make up for it. Um, to me, shooting is something that can come and go. And, you know, it can improve throughout the course of a season. There are definitely good shooting teams and bad shooting teams, so I don't want to rule that out, but you can see teams get hot and you can see teams have cold nights. Defensively to be that locked in this early in the year with several new pieces, I think says a lot. I think it really, really does say a lot. And I think this is going to be a team that is um, going to be led by their defense, led by their depth. And that surge they went on, that, that four and a half minutes to start the game, when nine different players played, and you know George Mason had more turnovers than all, <laughs> you know, than yeah. than Auburn had baskets. Like it was one of those crazy kind of starts for Auburn, and the jungle was rocking. It was really, really fun and atmosphere. I think that was just like, hey, expect that this season. That that four-and-a-half-minute burst early on, that's going to be what Auburn basketball looks like this year. The pace was unbelievable. The atmosphere was intense. The The jungle was uh, as loud as can be. And, and maybe from my vantage point, I was hearing it much more uh, than, than others were around me. Yeah. I'm curious, Ferg, uh, because if no one has had the opportunity to, uh, to, to watch Justin Ferguson cover a basketball game, they're truly in for something. Uh, and I mean that, Ferg, talking about uh, your coverage of rotations and everything that goes into uh, basketball that you so much much love as a broadcaster there's a level of rust when a new season comes along right you just got to get adjusted to the pace Uh and that sort of thing do you experience that as well when the first game of the season rolls around that you've got to work into season form i tell you the exhibition was good for me in that regard um you know the fair point kind of getting back into that kind of mode again um knowing where to look knowing knowing what to keep an eye on and i will say this um, I, I, I am, you know, I am very uh, <laughs> indebted to Bruce Pearl and his staff and his program for opening it up as much as we do. Um, you know, those of us who cover this team can go to basketball practice anytime we want. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, this was a year where this was an offseason. I, I went to a lot more basketball practices than I usually do in the preseason. I, I made that a goal. I made that an effort. And so uh, I think – you know, last night, seeing how Auburn kind of pulled it out there on the court, it was it was great because I was seeing things and noticing things that I had heard Bruce Pearl talking about in the preseason. I had seen things I'm focusing on that. So that helped a ton. And this is not me saying, like, oh, look how smart I am about basketball. No, not at all. I'm a moron. But what I'm saying is, is that it helps out a lot to knock off that early rust and, you know, I think put out really good, um, you know, basketball coverage uh, for those of us on the beat when you do have that level of access and that level of, of insight into a team because they are so open. Uh, so uh, I, I owe a lot of that to, 
to BP and his and his willingness to work with us. What was your pretzel selection yesterday? So I, I just I usually do cinnamon sugar. I'm like I've, I've like not done cinnamon sugar like once ever in my time of doing this. Um, and I thought about it last night. I considered going in a different direction to start the season. And then I got up there and I was like, nah, nah I'm going <laughs> I'm to I'm stick to the classic. Um, so, yeah, so it's, usually, it's usually the nice cinnamon sugar. It's, uh, it's, it's my favorite. I can do the salty ones. I can do the – there's some cheese ones up there and stuff like that. And they're good, too. Uh, but man, I just I, I, I needed to hit the classic, you know, here for the first real game of the season, and it was it was on point. We'll see about. I might change it up on Friday night. Though. We'll see. Justin, over the past week, which were you looking forward to more—the first pretzel of the season at Neville Arena, or the Mississippi State ice cream cooler? Oh, definitely Mississippi State ice cream cooler. You know, I, I will eat. I will eat like shoot by the end of the season, like. 15, 16 something pretzels in, in a basketball season, right? Because you do it. I do it pretty much every every night there. Um, you know, I've, you only get the Mississippi State ice cream cooler in in Starkville every two years, and for me, it was the first time in four years because I didn't go in twenty twenty during the pandemic. So that had been four years in the making for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, top notch. The uh, if you've ever had the ice cream at Mississippi State, it is very very good. Uh, they're dairy sciences program uh, does that uh, they also make the best cheese i think you can find uh, pretty much anywhere uh, in the south uh they were all sold out when i tried to get some this weekend that was that was tough but um the ice cream yeah definitely ice cream was it was something i really really look forward to every time i go to starkville and i have a higher opinion of starkville than most people do um i think at least among my my friends in the media um so the ice cream it definitely helps which flavor did you choose I went with the uh, Muscadine Ripple okay. because when are you ever going to get Muscadine flavored ice cream, right? Like it's one of the few. I mean, I don't even know what that one. is. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so Muscadine, so Muscadines are like wild grapes is the best way to put them. It's like kind of like a grape, kind of like a cherry, kind of like a plum, kind of you know, they're just wild. Okay, um, it's very southern. It's very very southern, um, and so it's yeah, it's like. Um, so this ice cream is like vanilla, and it had a ripple of uh, muscadine flavor, like like you know syrupy kind of flavor on it. And it's like I guess the flavor is kind of like a milder, yeah. I think cherry, you know, something like a cherry, something like a grape. Um, you know, not too strong, not too sweet. It's just nice and smooth. Uh, I, I do like it. Um, you know, purely, I'm sure there are other ice creams there are great, and I've had them before. But every time I go there and they open up the freezer, I'm always getting that one because. I don't know of any other place that, that makes muscadine ice cream. What pretzel do you like, Brooks? I, I'm listen. I'm I'm a, I'm in the the bites club, so I'm not a full yeah, pretzel bites guy. Are really good. I'm always bites a, are really good. I'm always anytime there's an 11 a.m. tip or a noon tip, and I'm just like waking up like an hour or two hours beforehand. I'm getting the cinnamon sugar bites because I'm like, well, that's breakfast. It's kind of like a breakfasty yeah, kind of sure. deal. But you know what's really good is the garlic parmesan. Really, wow. I, I came very close to getting that last night. It's, I came really, really close to doing it, and, I'm just, and I might, might end up doing that uh, Friday. I'm just a big garlic parmesan guy. Like, I, if I go to get wings, like garlic parmesan yep. is my wing choice. Are the bites where you get the vanilla icing? Yeah, that. That's well, you what, can get them for either yeah, one, but yeah. it's better with the bites because you've already got the the right size of right. dip right there. That's yep. what I do. That is baller. What's your move, Ryan? 
yeah bites with uh cinnamon cinnamon sugar and uh the vanilla icing every every single time every single time you an icing guy ferg not usually um so little inside baseball here you get the you get the coupon and it used to be the coupon would cover all like the entire price of a pretzel like of just a basic pretzel if all you did there was just get a pretzel you didn't have to pay anything if you get any icing or if you get the bites or if you get a drink or something like that, it start you have to actually start spending your own money. I'm very cheap, so I usually didn't do that. The price of the pretzel has gone up this year a little bit. Um, so oh, who's it's surprised? Something, it's, something oh. it's, it's something where I'm having to, like, you know, I'm having to, like, make smart decisions on it where I'm like, okay, if I'm already spending a little bit more, do I go ahead and get the icing? Do I go ahead... And get it, get a nice drink or something like that. Um, so you know, it's it's something I'll have to play around with this year. We used to be a proper society. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, inflation. Inflation. Man. Uh. <laughs> uh, what what uh, what's the Auburn Observer plan for the rest of the week, Ferg? Yeah, so I got a story coming up tomorrow on the Observer about John Cohen and the and the coaching search, kind of some his insight into what he's looking for and how he's going to handle. Um, you know the the first big move and sure. probably an early defining move for his tenure uh, at Auburn. Uh, if you want to know more about the Auburn George Mason game, um, the observations went up this morning. Um, it's like nearly three thousand words of coverage on uh, last night's basketball game. Damn. Check that out. Um, That's a lot of words from the Mississippi State game. Yeah, uh, and then I did a story on Monday about Auburn's pass rush and just how, like, this was Auburn's best pass rush game of the season and how that, like, really sets up well for the A&M game. Uh, we will have, shoot, what, what will we have? Oh, we'll have more stuff in the, during the week. We'll have a mailbag on Friday. We'll have coverage of the of the uh, the USF game Friday night. And over the weekend, we'll have Texas A&M coverage, obviously, uh, for football. And I do believe for our, our Friends of the Program podcast comes out either tonight or in the morning. Um, so if you're wanting a, a fun little perspective on things going on at Auburn right now, uh, check that out. $6 a month or $60 a year to sign up. Everything we do gets sent to your email inbox. So go on ahead and subscribe. Perfect. We certainly do appreciate the time as always. We'll talk again next week, Ferg. Thank you. See you guys. All right. That's Justin Ferguson joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Awesome insight and analysis, as always. That's what we expect from our guy, Ferg. All right, fellas, we've got to take a break. When we come back, Eric McDade will get saddled in with us. A lot of fun straight ahead here on Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome 
back into the program today. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy. Eric McDade is here with us now. And Brooks Childress uh, hanging out in the building as well. So it's time. We're covering the bases with our buddy Eric McDade. Imani, what's going on, my man? What's happening, fellas? How y'all doing? Uh, doing quite well. Things uh, much different than the last time we had you in studio. A little bit different. An man. entirely different football coach leading the Auburn Tigers. That's right. That's and right. A, uh, a college football landscape that uh, is a little bit different as well. New college football playoff rankings coming out tonight yeah. at 6 o'clock. And uh, we saw three or four top ten teams lose this past weekend in the sport of college football. So I'm really intrigued, fellas, on how that's going to change this evening. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a, a lot of scenarios. I think most importantly for Auburn people, uh, most excitingly for Auburn people, Alabama losing uh, to LSU is going to put them probably around 10th, I would say. And uh, as long as LSU does not lose both of their remaining SEC conference games, LSU's going to the SEC championship game. Uh, or at least Alabama would not be. Let me rephrase that. If LSU loses once and Ole Miss wins this weekend, Ole Miss would go. But either way, uh, Alabama is blocked as long as LSU uh, does not lose both their conference games. And if that's the case, Alabama is not making the, the college football playoff without uh, access to the SEC title game and having two losses. So that's that's one important domino that fell. The other one was, was Clemson. Uh, Clemson was a team that a lot of people kind of thought was overvalued they had skirted by a couple close games in the ACC they were ranked teams but not traditionally teams people respect you know like Wake Forest and Syracuse those are teams that traditionally are not great at football however having good seasons and then they go to South Bend and they get dumped by Notre Dame and I know Notre Dame is a different team now than they were they're up to I think six and three they've won four out of five something like that they beat North Carolina North Carolina's only loss of the year uh, speaking ACC teams is to Notre Dame however it's still not a great Notre Dame team so that loss probably took Clemson out of the playoff as well they're probably going to fall I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them around 12 or 13 because you start to time out everything in, in every order so they're 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 going to be behind uh, the the two Pac-12 teams. I feel Oregon and USC. Uh, they're going to be behind. I think LSU because I think that Clemson's uh, resume is not going to look as good. Um, and, and then if you drop them below LSU, do you also drop them below Ole Miss, who's ultimately just lost once, um, and, and their only loss is to LSU, which would be a better loss than Clemson. So Clemson's going to be kind of hard to figure, but I can see anywhere to just in front of Ole Miss, where Alabama is, or even behind them, to, which would be about 12th or 11th. So uh, either way, I just there's not enough steam in the ACC. You know, North Carolina's the second highest ranked team. They'll probably come in around 15 tonight there's just not enough steam for either one of those one loss ACC teams so I think the ACC was eliminated this past weekend uh, six o'clock we'll have the new college football playoff rankings out we do every Monday learn of the new AP top 25 for the sport or Sundays excuse me Georgia the new number one Ohio State two Michigan three TCU 
four. Tennessee goes from one to five. Oregon, six. LSU, seven. USC, eight. UCLA, nine. Alabama, 10. Ole Miss, 11. Clemson, 12. Any thoughts, Brooks, or... Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the how the rankings played out. I want to see how far down they dropped Tennessee because Tennessee did lose to what they deemed was the number three team in the country, and they were the number one team. But they didn't look good doing it. They they got dominated in that game. You looked at the score and you said, oh, 27-13. If you just looked at the score, you're like, oh, that was a you know competitive game for a little bit. It wasn't. It the 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 game was there was a garbage time touchdown at the end for Tennessee uh, to get in there, and Georgia kind of looked like they coasted a little bit. So do does the play Playoff committee then bump Georgia up to that one, or do they just kind of slide up and say, "No, Ohio State's going to be one because they they've been you know dominant all year too, and they already deemed Georgia as number three, but Ohio State struggled up there and uh, against Northwestern this weekend. Uh, Clemson, it's going to be interesting to see how far they fall because it is their first loss of the year, but it, it they just they don't have the resume there. I mean, they they haven't played as many uh, if any ranked teams on their schedule. The, the big question for me is how far they do drop Alabama because they had Alabama at 6, LSU at 10, so that's still a loss to a top 10 team that they had there. So I'd, I'm maybe they get down to 10. I I would not be shocked if they don't drop them as far as people think they do because it because of, you know, and I, I don't want to like to use this argument, but because of brand name and because you lost to a top, you've, you've lost to the two losses on the year is to what you deemed going into this past week as the number one team in the country and what you deemed going into this past week as the number 10 team in the country. So two top 10 losses there. I don't know how far you drop them. I wouldn't be shocked if they only dropped them, you know, a couple spots to that eight spot. But I'm with Ryan. I think the more likely one is to be 10 around there. Clemson, I don't know what you do with them because uh, it is only one loss in the year. It is to a, a questionable Notre Dame team. Um, so... I don't know how far you drop them. TCU, you know, how do you drop them below? T- I don't think you can, you know, drop them below or above. Keep them above TCU. Uh, Oregon continues to look good. USC. That's another thing. Is is where do you put USC? Because they still only have one loss. But they're another team where the resume is kind of like, you know, yeah, you've got one loss, but it's not. You know, you haven't played a lot of ranked teams in in your resume. Do you, how far up do you move Ole Miss after this weekend? Um, yeah, and then the the other question is uh, how far up do you move? Uh, and I know this is nobody, you know, not as many people care about this, but how far up do you move like a Tulane and UCF after this weekend, uh, both getting wins? Because that's another, you know, thing, because they're one of those teams, as of right now, is one is going to be in the New Year's Six games because of the, the group of five team makes a New Year's Six game. So Tulane, UCF, how far up do you move those two guys? You got to think about Liberty, too. And they, yeah, true. Um, they, they weren't they, ranked this past week. Yeah, so I think you – I think they made a pretty strong statement going on the road and being an SEC team. So uh, it'd be, it, it will be interesting to see. Who's your playoff four? Right now? I mean, it's pretty obvious the four, right? I mean, it's four undefeated teams in the Power Five conferences. So Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. Georgia's got to be number one. I, I, I mean, I honestly don't know why they weren't number one last week, to be honest. But they've, I mean, now they have what would probably be, we call maybe the best win in the country with the win over Tennessee. I mean, they they really dominated that game. I think it ended up, like you said, 27-13. But, I mean, that 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 was one of those games that I think they could have won by 30 if they wanted to. So, they got to be number one. Um, I guess Ohio State, Michigan, I mean, they could be – I mean, you could see that either way. They're probably two and three. I actually probably – I mean, I like Ohio State a little bit better because I like Stroud. But, 
um, resume-wise. They're really similar, I think. And then TCU's got to be four. I mean, if Tennessee had played a little bit better, uh, I honestly think they could have maybe still been four. But, uh, yeah, it's got to be those four for the playoff right now. Yeah, no, and I think with Ohio State and Michigan – uh, really similar resumes. The only difference is Michigan hosted Penn State and beat them. Ohio State went to Penn State. Right. And then Michigan just doesn't have a non-con game that's worth anything. I mean, their best non-con win is, I guess, UConn or Colorado State, whereas uh, at least Ohio State did play Notre Dame. That's, again, not a, a great Notre Dame team, but I wouldn't actually be shocked beat getting up to 6-3 and three if they did rank them this week, 24-25th something, because they uh, are a big brand, as you've talked about, Brooks, with uh, some I, other I don't like to use the big right. brand argument, no. but – there's bias that are, that's associated with with the brand like i think they were saying this last week you know if tcu what, what was tcu last week were they seven were they seven yeah they were behind somebody yeah, if they were texas right with some of the things that they have accomplished this season if, if you looked at that resume but it was texas and not tcu they probably would not have been set. No doubt. I'm going to say, there's only, um, looking at last week's rankings, what you brought that, and you brought up Texas, there's only one three-loss team in that uh, top 25 last week, and it was it Texas. Texas. Yeah. Now, and, of course, they have they have circumstances that I would defend them in because sure. they they did lose Quinn Ewers in, in one of the games that he did not play, they lost. And, and so that, that factors into some of it. But, you know, I think that, you know, what will be interesting here is college football never – or very seldom does it, it it just go status quo from mm-hmm. a certain point out. So it seems pretty easy to make those four the playoff. However, you know one of them will have to lose because Ohio State and Michigan both can't win that, uh, win that game. So how that game goes and who loses it will determine something very important, which is them or the loser of that game or Tennessee. Because now Tennessee's not going to the SEC championship game. And neither will the loser of that Ohio State-Michigan game. They won't go to the Big Ten championship game. So how that team, whoever it may be, loses that game is going to be very important in deciding between those two. Now, I think Tennessee has a wonderful resume. I I completely understand why they were ranked number one because they had a a win at LSU now, which looks better and better by the day. I know LSU has gotten better and better as the year's gone along, but that's a top ten team that they smashed on the road they did beat Alabama who assuming if they beat Ole Miss will remain a top 10 team when the season ends those are two top 10 wins that Tennessee will have whereas the loser of the Ohio State Michigan game will not have any top 10 wins because Penn State will not be ranked in top 10 Notre Dame can't get all the way to 10 by the end of the year uh no one else on that schedule will be in the top 10. So I guess my point is the only path for Ohio State-Michigan loser to being above Tennessee, in my view, is a very close loss because it was concerning that Tennessee got beat fairly bad on the road at Georgia. But again, two top 10 wins, and you're not seeing anything comparable to that out of the Big Ten teams right now. So unless you lose a heartbreaker in that Ohio State-Michigan game, a 24-21, a 34-31 type of game, if you lose by a similar margin, you lose by two or three possessions, then I can't really argue that Big Ten team over Tennessee. And that's important because that could be the fourth playoff spot. If Georgia wins out, if you have – uh, TCU went out, which, to be fair, is not a sure thing at all. They, I think they've still got Texas, for example. They'll have a Big 12 championship game against a competent team. Um, 
so that's not a given. You know, I, I feel good about the winner of Ohio State Michigan not losing the Big Ten championship game because the other side of the Big Ten's been pretty dreadful, to be honest with you. But that could end up being the last playoff spot. Is your opinion of one loss Ohio State Michigan loser, one loss Tennessee, or uh, th- a third team in here, the one loss Pac 12 champ? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I, I think the Pac 12 was probably the biggest winner. And what happened this weekend because you got you got Oregon, USC, and UCLA all sitting there with one loss. I mean, I don't, I don't think UCLA is maybe the tier of Oregon, USC. They, they they have a chance to prove that I guess when they play USC. But you know, if we get to the Pac-12 championship game and it's number four Oregon versus number five USC or something like that, that becomes a de facto quarterfinal right like that that's a it's almost like a play-in game i think if both of those teams are ranked in the top six if they rank them there but i think tennessee could still be ahead of both oregon and usc right now yeah but i think what happens if that happens though if those two teams are playing and tennessee's at home and they didn't win i mean they didn't win their division because they lost to georgia understandably but I think there's something to be said when when they're sitting at home and then you've got these two teams with one loss playing in a you know Pac-12 It'll championship be- game that 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 kind of that bias will kind of play into it and, and the recency of seeing those two teams play a championship game I think might really just trump whatever Tennessee's done. It, it will be a big unknown, but I think that the Pac-12 might be better off if it's not Oregon because although Tennessee. Did yeah. not look great against Georgia. Yeah. Oregon looked awful that, that, against no, Georgia. You got a good, that's and, a good point. And so that's the one thing I would caution that I don't know what they would do. Would they care? Would they would they simply write it off as its first game of the year? Oregon would do far better this time around? Yeah. Or would they really match them up? Because another thing, too, is Tennessee obviously went to Georgia, right. and that was a quote-unquote – I know it was in the state of Georgia, but it was a neutral site game of sorts. It's not as bad as going to, to, to Sanford Stadium. So that's something – that those are complicated things they might have to work through now – so, you know, more chaos happens, more losses happen. Um, you know, that that could be one thing. Also, what would screw things up royally is if Georgia lost the SEC title game, whether that be to two-loss LSU or one-loss Ole Miss. If Ole Miss were able to beat Alabama and LSU, do, do choke one off here at the end of the season because then you start to talk about do you value two-loss LSU with wins over Alabama and Georgia towards the end of the season over a one-loss Pac-12 champion at that point? Can you forgive one extra loss in favor of a better grouping of wins and a more timely grouping of wins, especially if you beat Georgia. Then you get into the chaos of do you do you have to ignore the result of that game and still put Georgia in the playoff and not LSU? Or do you have to put them both in because you acknowledge Georgia's one of the top four teams in the country? However, LSU's got to go too because they just beat them. There are still plenty of complicated scenarios if one or two of the right losses happen. If you're if what you're talking about, if, it, if it's pretty smooth and these teams that are undefeated keep winning out, it's, it's very self-explanatory for everybody. But it only takes one or two of the right kind of results to uh, really muddy this picture and make there be a lot of judgment calls. 
334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 If you would like to call in 6 o'clock tonight, we'll have the new college football playoff rankings. Auburn football plays on Saturday night against Texas A&M. 6.30 kickoff for the Tigers in that one. A reminder, Friday, we're going to be broadcasting live from the Auburn Alumni Center for another edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. And then, yeah, like we mentioned, TCU, number seven last week, unbeaten in the Big 12. Can they run the table? That's the question that remains at large. Can they do it? So it's at Texas this week. Saturday. uh, Which is a huge one. And then at Baylor, who's at least respectable. uh, And then they host Iowa State, where they should be able to win. I at least mention the Baylor game because it's college football. And anytime you go on the road, and TCU's good, but TCU's had some close calls. They haven't really thumped many teams. They they didn't thump Texas Tech last week. They didn't thump West Virginia. Uh, and West Virginia's going to about to fire their head coach. Uh, they did play well against Kansas State, but they had obviously a close game against Kansas. I mean, TCU has not necessarily whooped up on people unless your name is Oklahoma uh, <laughs> this year. And so, again, any of these road games, especially the Texas game, but I would even throw the Baylor game out there these next two weeks uh will be will will test tcu they'll they'll be the testers and again they'll be a big 12 championship game i'm not sure exactly who's in line i think kansas state would be in line to to play in that game with them kansas state did already lose to them this year but um you know i tcu because it's not as known of a commodity because they have had some of these close games that's the team I feel a little more wobbly about. I, I feel good that the Ohio State-Michigan lo- winner is not losing the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, and I feel pretty good that uh, one of the Pac-12 teams, Oregon, USC, or UCLA, will come out of there as a one-loss conference champion at some point. Um, but, you know, I, the, the TCU dynamic was what would really start the, the debate process because if TCU loses, I think it's a similar effect uh, to Clemson where I don't think one loss TCU has the right of way over just about anybody we're talking about. So curious to see how the SEC also shapes up in these rankings and uh, predictions for what could take place. As we end this first hour, uh, let's go rapid fire here because, Ryan, I hate to bring this up, but there is a possibility that the right losses take place and Alabama could be back in the SEC title game, right? Those are, those are far-fetched, though, because LSU has, LSU has to lose right. to both Arkansas and Texas A&M. They need to lose both of they those games. They have to lose both because if Bama beats Ole Miss, both those teams have two losses – LSU has one in the SEC currently. If they all the finish, State if they all finish yeah. with two, if LSU all finishes with two, will they beat Ole Miss and Alabama? They break the three-way tie by beating them both. So LSU has to lose one more game than Alabama. And of course, Alabama could just go ahead and lose in Oxford this weekend. It wouldn't be shocking the way Bama has has struggled on the road, but. Yeah, LSU has to lose for Alabama to make the the, the, the SEC championship game. LSU has to lose to both Arkansas and a lowly Texas A&M. LSU or Ole Miss? On who makes it? Yeah. I'm still going to go LSU because I don't know if Ole Miss will beat Alabama. LSU or Ole Miss? LSU. LSU or Ole Miss? Uh, LSU. Bayou Bengals, man. How about that? Go Tigers. (laughs) We 
have done it. We have reached the end of the hour here on Sports Call. Let's talk Auburn football. They need a new head football coach, uh, Cadillac Williams. What a debut he had on Saturday. I want to talk about that and a whole lot more. Our buddy Eric McDade is in the building as well. We continue to cover the bases after this. Two hours in the books and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and our guy Eric McDade covering the bases with Eric McDade State Farm right now on the program. He is informing us uh, that we look tired. We look like we don't have a whole lot of energy. And so uh, I would agree. Let's change that. It's a Tuesday. Yeah. Feeling good. We need a little bit more spice here in the studio, oh, man. That's what a weary, man. <laughs> we got to pick it up just a little bit. Um, Eric, since you were last here, uh, Auburn changed football coaches. Brian Harson is no longer the man leading the Tigers football program. Cadillac Williams is on an interim basis. How much fun did you have watching that game on Saturday night? That was as much fun as I've had watching Auburn lose in my entire life, man. I, I haven't felt that good about Auburn football in a couple of years. I just It was just really fun to see the way those kids fought. You know, they were giving everything they had. You know, they got behind Cadillac. I mean, I think the whole fan base is just really excited for Cadillac. I, I, kudos to whoever it was that really made that call to put Cadillac in charge. Um, I mean, we we all love Cadillac. He's an impressive person. He was a great player here. And so I think that was really kind of the shot in the arm the program needed. Um, the kids played hard. I, I think when we got behind, I think at one point it was 24-3. to And I think, you know, um, I mean, not to pile on the guy, but I think under Harson, I think this is a team that might have folded. And those kids just kept fighting. You know, they kept fighting, and they just really seemed like they believed in each other to the point where, you know, we thought we, we should win the game. It almost felt like a win. Um, I, somebody said it felt better than the Missouri game, in which we won. But, uh, I mean, I'll take the win any day. But, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see. Um, you know, I'm really rooting for Cadillac, man. I, I He's, he's such an impressive person, and, and he cares about Auburn. He's an Auburn man. Those kids will run through a wall for him. I mean, I wanted to suit up and play, man, after watching some of those videos and listening to him talk. It's really cool. So Zach Etheridge is pulling hamstrings on the sideline. Yeah, those guys. Trying to know. get the time out there. I mean, that was insane. Yeah, that was a group effort, man. It just was really, you know, you could feel those guys just pulling together, just trying to squeeze everything out that they could to, to get a win. That Did you really think cool Mississippi State was going to miss the field goal at the end of regulation? 
I did. I thought that. I, I mean, I, kudos to him for trying to ice the kicker. Yeah, I, I, I never seen anybody ice the kicker twice with 30 seconds left. I, that was that was an interesting decision. Uh, but he's the first time head coach, but uh, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I wish he would have maybe kept the timeouts in his pocket, but it is what it is, man. I mean, at that point. He's just going for it. He's just trying, trying stuff, see what happens. So, well, I, I appreciate it because we saw that scenario actually play out in both the Auburn and the Alabama games that night. So, what Cadillac decided was they were not going to do much offensively right. with the thirty seconds, twenty something seconds. Yeah. So they they were going to empty the clip right there yeah. and say we're going to make this kid wait as long as possible to actually kick this. And if he makes it three times, great for him. But we're we're not going to be able to be aggressive offensively. We don't want to turn it over, do something weird. And so he was using those timeouts. In the LSU-Alabama game, Brian Kelly let Riker kick immediately. Um, he did not call timeout. He had to, just like Auburn. However, he took a knee when he got the ball with 21 seconds. They played for overtime. And I thought that was interesting because I thought, okay, if you know you're taking a knee, even with both timeouts, why don't you at least call one of them and try an ice uh, Rikard? And, and they didn't. So Cadillac kind of – I mean, it ended up working. <laughs> LSU ended up winning. Auburn did not end up winning. But the timeout strategy was probably actually played correctly by Cadillac compared to Brian Kelly because – because if you know you're not going to use those timeouts offensively, you know you're not going to be aggressive because yeah, well, for whatever reason, you might as well let the kicker think about it because kickers are head cases and you just don't trust, especially college kickers. You just don't trust kickers. And so I thought that was the right move. To his credit, he kicked it every time and he made it in the same fashion really every single time. That second kick kind of glanced off the upright a little bit but still went in. But all three of that kid's the kicks were on that left part of of the goalposts that he made uh, in a very similar fashion, so you know he just he was a rock in that instance. But I didn't think Cadillac was yeah. wrong to do it. But you know it, it, it you could see the life, and for the first time, I mean that was Auburn's best second half in a very long time, oh, yeah. and it speaks to a criticism everyone had uh, Brian Harson justifiably so. It looked like they went in in the halftime every game, picked their nose for 20 minutes, and right. just did absolutely <laughs> no adjusting, uh, and would always come out with a worse second half than the first half. And yeah, it, this was, was the first time they played a decidedly better <laughs> second half than first half in quite some time. Yeah, it was that was refreshing to see, man, especially with the kind of a patchwork co- coaching staff where, you know, these guys are you know you got guys up there calling plays that have never called plays before. It's not their playbook and. Cadillac's the first time. Yeah. Coach. You can second guess some of the stuff he did. I mean, you know, going for the fourth down early in the first quarter or and not kicking the field goals. And you can second guess some of that stuff, man, but he was just going for it. And so, you know, I appreciate it. Um, you know, he, he did much better than I expected. Um, I do think we got to kind of pump the brakes. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that are overly excited about it. Uh, you know, I'm part of a few groups on Facebook where people are, suggesting we storm the field if we win to oh, show appreciation no. to Cadillac. I even saw one guy said we oh, should no. <laughs> one guy said we should uh put the twenty four at half at midfield instead of the AU and I'm just like, hey guys, we we all love Cadillac, but uh, this is going. That's off the intense. Rails. I was like, man, this yeah. is going off the rails. We uh, we love Cadillac, man, but we gotta we gotta keep it in the road. We gotta get. I do think Cadillac can earn himself a, an interview. Um, he he's definitely a guy that I could see leading the program at some point, um, somewhere, if, even if it's not at Auburn, because um, I think he's the kind of coach that some kids will go to war for. So. Um, 
it just means more to him that it is at Auburn, that it is the school he loves so much so. and played for. And I uh, got to wear the AU on his helmet for sure. Auburn and Texas A&M, both teams have lost five straight games. It is a sucky feeling that uh, Auburn ended last season on a five-game losing streak. And, fellas, here we are. Auburn is once again back on a five-game losing streak. And Not I, fun. And Texas A&M is, I, I think, as well. Yeah. And with those two teams, I, I, I just don't know how many times you've had two SEC teams on five-game losing streaks. Um, Third time in the last four years. Okay. Cole Kubelik tweeted okay. that a little bit Third earlier last today. four? Yeah. Okay, I'm surprised. Vanderbilt exists. Well, true. But of the of programs, I'll tell you what, programs that I actually expect to, to win games. <laughs> no offense to Vanderbilt. Van- Vanderbilt, if they go 6-6, six and six, great stuff. We get to go to a bowl. There's a 13th game we get to play. That's that's how Vanderbilt acts if they, they're able to, to put that together. But for these two programs, I mean, Texas A&M paying Jimbo Fisher gobs of money to have this awful season. Auburn really already can't make a bowl game unless you think they can go to Tuscaloosa and win. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to play harder than we – we can imagine because Cadillac Williams is going to egg them on to do so, but I just, I still would just, I cannot, I cannot fathom that. But um, this Texas A&M game is going to be, we asked Justin Ferguson about it. They're going to have a lot of energy in the building. I mean, it's going to feel, it's not going to feel like three and six versus three and six. Um, it's going to feel like two top 25 teams in a night game in Jordan here. And what, when's the last time Auburn had a, a night game? Uh, the LSU that, game? The LSU. LSU. Yeah. They Which did that have, atmosphere was crazy. And that was a great atmosphere, too. So, you know, since then they've rattled off a couple of games, 11 a.m. games, and and uh, they obviously did have the night game on the road in Starkville. But um, the, it's going to be a really good environment, and uh, the energy is going to be there. And you, you saw the video of Cadillac putting out their start of the awesome. week awesome. Um, so it, they're going to play hard and I really think Auburn has an excellent chance to win on Saturday with all that energy and passion that's going to be in the building to A&M's credit uh, they haven't necessarily quit either however they did give up a million to Florida they had like they had like 18 players out with the flu between their offense and defense I assume they'll get all those guys back for this weekend but um Two teams at three and six that did not anticipate having these kind of seasons. Auburn needs to find their next head coach. Athletic Director John Cohen was introduced today uh, to start our festivities and to uh, move forward with this Auburn football program, knowing that his first hire is going to be something that defines his legacy, his tenure as Auburn's athletic director. He was the man responsible for hiring Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. He was also the man responsible for hiring Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Now he's got to uh, sift through candidates for the Auburn job and the popular names we continue to hear Lane Kiffin Deion Sanders Hugh Freeze are, are, are the most three uh, popular names that folks call in and chat with us here on the program what say you Eric where are you at in regards to this next football coach you know I like all three of those guys um, you could look at them in any order uh, thank you Freeze put an excellent uh, he put his hat in the ring excellently this past weekend with a road win over an SEC team um that was cool. No doubt. I mean, you know what Dion's gonna bring to the table. He's a we're gonna get we're gonna get the guys if we get Dion for sure. Um, and Lane Kiffin is. I mean, we know what he's about. Personally, I probably out of that group would prefer Lane uh, myself. Um, probably Dion second, and then Hugh. But um, 
you know, like I said, I'm, I'm outside the box guys. Chip Kelly, I think it's just something about his, you know, his his style of coaching. I think that will work here, but it'll be interesting, man. I think this is one that, you know, we got to get this one right. You know, so that, I, I think that's what kind of maybe takes the guys like Dion maybe off the table. You you gotta you gotta get a guy that you know what what you're getting. Um, you, you gotta get this one. Have right. to get, get this, this one wrong. right. I mean, I saw something earlier that was really insane that we've paid more money to coaches than Alabama has since Saban's been there, and that is uh that's unacceptable. <laughs> so, you know, we got to get this one right, man, because if we don't, you know, we're going to be even further, you know, further in the hole. And the SEC is only getting better every year. And then you're going to add Oklahoma and Texas to the mix in a couple of years. Um, you know, we got to put ourselves in in good position. We got to go get a good, you know, somebody that can be here for 10 years or so and right the ship. You still on the lane train? Uh, I have a first class ticket. <laughs> first class. Uh, um, yeah. Good I, service. Yeah. I well. I'm, I'm. Does that get you like time with juice? Uh, yeah, it should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I. I you accepting I think, seatmates at this point? Yeah, we welcome all to the lane train. That's pretty full. I, I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tickets are hard to come yeah, by. Yeah. yeah. Uh, might just have to add some more cars to the train, but I, I think that this guy, uh, uh, this guy yeah. <laughs> um, I I just think that he checks the boxes for what Auburn's going for. I think he's. Uh, everyone knows about the offensive genius he is. And I think that the, the recruiting part of it, you know, he has really, you know, at Ole Miss, he's not done an incredible job as a high school recruiter. He is, though, complained at, at length about the NIL situation, of which it is clearly better at Auburn. But he has portaled very well. I mean, he has done an excellent job in the transfer portal. The thing I wanted to see from him, because obviously Auburn was in this predicament two years ago. This is, we're not far removed from the previous coaching search. Even at that time, I liked Lane Kiffin a lot but at that time I had more of a reservation because I had not seen him stay in one place for too long and more importantly I've not seen him turn over a roster as a head coach and now that I've seen him move from Matt Corral to Jackson Dart move from a backfield of Snoop Connor, Jerry Neely and Henry Parrish into a Quinshawn Junkins uh, Zach Evans backfield I've seen them flip all these skill position players and they're still 8-1 and one. you know even if they lose to Bama they went 10-2 and two last year went to New Year's Six Bowl they could do the same thing this year two of the best years Ole Miss has had in a very long time with completely different sets of, of guys and in, in the offensive backfield um, that that's proof to me he can turn over this roster and, and the transfer portal that he's uh, ability that he's shown is something that Auburn could really use if they're trying to expedite the process and and look you know it's still going to overall take some time with Auburn because I think the roster's pretty broken at this point, especially when you factor in the, the best couple of guys like Derek Hall, Tank Bigsby will not be here next year. The roster's going to be in pretty bad shape unless you get 10, 15 guys in the portal that won't give you the depth you need. So, again, you're not going to have some incre incredible roster next year, but you might have those playmakers if you get the right guys in the portal. And, again, I'm not thinking just the one-year game. Obviously, it's going to take – take some time and you want to be good for a long time and even if you do 
hit on all cylinders somehow next year. You don't want to be one-year wonders. So I, I get that it's not all about one set of portal, but I think with Lane Kiffin, you will constantly see great portal, and, and you will see, I think, better high school recruiting than what you've seen at Ole Miss because of the NIL situation. I think Auburn is in a better position. And then again, it comes back to Lane's a great offensive guy, so we really only focus on what he can do defensively, getting a defensive staff. That would be the biggest question mark really I think in my opinion the only question mark with Lane Kiffin is making sure he gets the right defensive staff to where you know what's limiting them at Ole Miss is their defense still pretty damn bad overall they're they're still winning with it because their offense is so good but their defense is still bottom tier of the SEC finding the right defensive staff to just elevate that defense into a a, a solid defense Um, so so I I think that that's the biggest thing with Lane Uh, but yeah no I uh, Lane's a distant first for me in terms of candidates. Yeah, I just wonder how bad he really wants this job. To be honest, um, I mean Auburn's a great, a great college job. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but he, that was like you said a couple of years ago. Maybe one of the biggest things that I, the questions that I had about him was, you know, will he get those wondering eyes for a bigger program? He's been at Tennessee and USC, and he coached the Raiders. Like, you know, he's coached some at some some big name places, and Ole Miss isn't quite that. But I think. You know, you have to kind of wonder, is does he see Auburn as a destination or does he see it as another pit stop? You know, you got to kind of look at it that way. I, I, you have to wonder how he sees that or does he want to stay at Ole Miss and maybe keep winning eight, nine, ten games in a comfortable place until two or three years from now, until the exact thing he wants open up, whether it be, you know, a Alabama or a, a Texas or whatever the case may be, just something that he may see as more desirable than Auburn. You got to kind of wonder about that too. Um, but you know, it's I I kind of think of it two. I think of it in two forms. So one is Auburn. Where would you rank it as a job in the country? Somewhere in the. F- 10 to 15 range, 15-ish. All right, so there's only a couple handfuls of jobs that are better. Um, Some of those jobs you won't – he just will not have access to. Like, he will not be the Georgia coach. Uh, He will not be the Ohio State coach. Ryan Day – and uh, obviously Kirby Smart locked in there. Uh, as long as Lincoln Riley wants to be at USC and not go to the NFL, Lincoln Riley at USC locked in there. Well, he can't uh, go back to USC uh, anyway. Uh, well, obviously, yeah, yeah. That with the uh, with yeah. the past uh, yeah. tenure at USC. Um, I also would put in there Clemson, as long as Davo Sweeney is not um, – you're not trying to bolt anywhere else. Random what, thought. If Harbaugh falls off, could you ever see Lane Kiffin at Michigan? Be a weird fit, but also Harbaugh's multiple years away from sure. Having, you know, I, I mean, just it, right I now. Mean, but things are so crazy that we, I mean, we say it, it, these things won't happen, right? Ryan Day won't go anywhere and Harbaugh's going to be where he is. Like, this stuff literally changes yeah, like that. You could have told but, me last year that Brian Kelly would be coaching LSU, yeah. right? Like that stuff. Didn't see that one like coming that, for sure. Right? So sure. I just wanted everyone to mentally picture Lane Kiffin in Michigan gear uh-huh. for a moment. And I, I again doubt that would happen too, because uh, some of those things would be. Fit I can't as even well. get my brain to do that. Um, and so. You know, I think that a lot of those big programs w- would be out. They wouldn't be open. Um, a couple of them wouldn't be fits, as you mentioned, USC. Um, the only one I would have big trouble with, talked about this a little bit uh, off air, was, would be if Alabama wanted him. Right. Uh, if he wanted to replace Saban, 
the only thing there is would Alabama want him? You know, I know that he was a assistant there, so they should have warmed up to whatever Lane Kiffin used to be perceived as, as a wild child, that sort of thing. But it's still different when you're the representative of the program, the head representative. Absolutely. So we would have a whole other discussion there. The other thing would be, though, is that if Auburn truly is, and I believe it is, if it truly is better than Ole Miss and it truly has better access to everything you want, then if he's able to go 10-2 at Ole Miss and he's able to be that good Ole Miss, that ain't far away from being where you need to be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty pretty dang close at that point. They're ranked 11th in the country now, went to New Year's Six last year. And I keep bringing this up. I'll bring this up probably 87 more thousand times in the next two years. When this playoff expands to 12 and teams start making this playoff, that is going to change the barometer of what is truly a really good year yes, for right. a lot of these programs for because sure. you're going to get four or five SEC programs. It will not be that you have to beat Alabama. Alabama, it would just be nice to beat Alabama because they are your arch rival and that sort of thing. But Alabama will not block you from accessing the college football playoff once this goes to 12 teams. And so obviously your goal at Auburn, you want to beat Alabama. You need to mix in some some Iron Bowl victories. But I'm saying even on years where you don't win the Iron Bowl, you could still be 10-2, and two, go to the playoff, maybe cause some havoc in the playoff. And so if you're doing that, how many jobs will you really elevate over the one you're at if you're one of those that is going to the playoff pretty constantly? Because I'll give you an example right now. In the annals of college football history, Clemson is not anywhere near a top five or ten job. Clemson is not a good job at all in college football history. I mean, there would, there would be several in the ACC that would be above Clemson as a job. However, what Dabo has done with it and getting it to the playoff constantly has changed the perception of Clemson. Clemson's now the biggest cool program in the ACC it should of all the world for all of eternity been Miami or Florida State maybe even what Beamer did with Virginia Tech would have been above anything Clemson did prior to Dabo Sweeney however a decade of excellence and going the playoff year after year now Clemson it's still not Bama or or Ohio State in prestige but it's it's moved up a whole couple of tiers of what it used to be it was like a D or C tier job and now it's a B tier job and now it's all of a sudden I why would I there might be one job Dabo Sweeney would leave the entire country for maybe two right and it's at Clemson but when he took the job at Clemson there would have been 20 jobs easy that you would have left Clemson for and so my point is if Lane Kiffin gets to Auburn and it succeeds the way Auburn people hope he succeeds that number of jobs that he would be willing to leave for might even decline more if Auburn is truly having great success Many more updates to come in the Auburn football coaching search, and we'll see whether or not Lane Kiffin is that next man for the Tigers, or is it Deion Sanders? Is it Hugh Freeze? Is it somebody that we're not even talking about? We've got uh, plenty of time to discuss these things with three weeks remaining in the regular season for Auburn football. We have been covering the bases with our pal Eric McDade. Always good to see you, my brother. Drivewithericcom What can folks do if they go to drivewithericcom What are you capable of accomplishing? Accomplishing out there with our good listeners. Listen, I'm capable of anything, man. No. <laughs> hey, drivewitheric.com. Get yourself an auto insurance quote, homeowners quote. Um, really excited about one thing we have going on. Uh, we're able to write life insurance for almost anybody now, regardless of medical conditions and things like that. So, you know, maybe some of the people in the past who have been uninsurable, we've been able to help. So, 
um, that's a really, really big thing that we've recently rolled out. So um, definitely, if you're looking for that as well, you know, reach out to us. We're here to help. That's perfect. Drivewitheric.com. Thanks for stopping by. We'll do this again soon, okay? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. It, that's our guy, Eric McDay, joining us on the program. Let's take a timeout. We're here to uh, have more sports call right after this on Tiger 95.9 FM. need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM. And on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. Our thanks again to Eric McDade for stopping by. We were just covering the bases with our pal E-Money right there. Always an amazing conversation. Uh, we need to do this. We haven't gotten to it yet today, so here's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports here today on November 8th of 2022. Let me tell you this, Sam Bradford is turning 35 years old today. The former NFL quarterback, a Heisman Trophy winner, played four years of college football at Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner. AP College Football Player of the Year in 08. He was drafted number one overall by the Rams in the 2010 NFL Draft. Also played with the Eagles, Vikings, and Cardinals. It is Sam Bradford turning 35 years old today. Dante Jackson is turning 27. I thought you paused to let us comment. Okay, comment, please. Good good football player. Good football player. Uh, Dante Jackson, 27, NFL cornerback for the Carolina Panthers. Played three years of college football at LSU, where he was an All-American in 2017. Drafted by the Panthers in the second round of the 2018 NFL Draft with the 55th overall pick. Led the Panthers in interceptions as a rookie with four. Dante Jackson continues his career with the Panthers. He turns 27 years old today. He's got a good last name. All Jacksons are late in 27, so he's a day after our our favorite Jackson. Mind blown? Michael? (laughs) Wait, I turned 27 yesterday. You did, man. Birthday, Jackson's born one day apart. And he plays for the Panthers. And you love the Carolina Panthers. That's so cool. I'm a a day older than him. You should tell him that. I need to let him know. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing stuff right there. Uh, Birthdays in sports, of course, brought to you by our friends over at Max Credit Union. And you went to a school with the Tiger as a mascot. Look at that. And JJ loves similarities. I do. They're my favorite things in the whole wide world. And if you want to keep getting more technical, you were in school at the same time since you're the same. You were were at Auburn at the same time he was at LSU. Facts. People forget. People forget. Sean Carlos Stanton is turning 33. Almost like like Sean Carlo. Oh, sorry. It's Mike Stanton. Mike Stanton. He's an MLB designated hitter and outfielder for the Yankees. Drafted by the Marlins out of high school in the second round of the 07 draft. Made his debut with the Marlins in 2010. Played with them until 2018 when he joined the New York Yankees. Five-time All-Star, one-time league MVP, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner. 
Mike Stanton and Giancarlo Stanton turning 33 years old today. People forget Mike. People do forget Mike. Yes. I, I think I've got a baseball card with Mike Stanton on it back home. Oh, that might be worth something. Yeah. That's the OG name. Can I hit a baseball further than Giancarlo Stanton? <laughs> um, is Stanton in a wheelchair? Let me ask you this. Let me I ask still this. think Stanton does it. I'm left-handed in the batter's box. Yep. He's right-handed yep. in the batter's box. Yeah. Put us both in the left-handed yeah, batter's he's box. Still, yeah. He'd still, yeah. he'd still hit. Out. You think so? Yeah. Further than me. Yep. That's insulting. Uh, I, would, I don't think so. I would like to compile a list, and I'm sure someone has done it, of just the all-star level players that the Miami Marlins have had and traded away. It's been up there. It's been up there. Yasmani Grandal is turning 34. MLB catcher with the Chicago White Sox. Played three years of college baseball at Miami. Go Canes. Uh, ACC Baseball Player of the Year in 2010. Debuted by the Reds with the 12th overall pick in the 2010 MLB Draft. Made his MLB debut with the Padres in 2012. Also played with the Padre, or the Dodgers, Brewers, and now the White Sox. Two-time MLB All-Star. The catcher for the Chicago White Sox. Yasmani Grandal is turning 30. 34 years old today. Padres and Dodgers are often confused. And, and Yasmani Grandal, I'm not kidding. That's a player that Ryan Lavoy will randomly bring up every once in a while. Yeah, he's a good hitter. You bring him up sometimes. Yeah. Did you forget that? Did yeah. No. People forget that Ryan Lavoy brings him up. <laughs> they I do. Who Yasmani Grandal was? Oh, they wow. do. Uh, could I hit a baseball further than him? No. All right. Uh, Brevin Knight is turning 47 years old today. The former NBA point guard and current commentator for Memphis Grizzlies TV broadcast. Played four years of college basketball at Stanford, where he was the all-time leader in assists and steals. Three-time first-team All-Pac-10. Drafted number 16 overall by the Cavaliers in the 1997 NBA draft. Played in his NBA career for the Hawks. Grizzlies, Suns, Wizards, Bucks, Bobcats, Clippers, and Jets. Brevin Knight is turning 47 years old today. People forget about his time at the Bobcats, man. I don't. I, I literally really remember that first season of that, like the 2004, the very first season the Bobcats existed, Brooks. He was my guy. Brevin miss, Knight, the starting point guard. Do you miss the Bobcats? 100%. Okay. I, I really, really do. Too. I really do. The Hornets are swaggy, bring back the buzz. Buzz City is super elite and that sort of thing. But the mascot's name was Rufus. He was a cool guy. I mean. Can we talk about NBA mascots for a second? Yeah, go for it. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Orlando Stuff. Magic's mascot. You sent a video yesterday, and I didn't I did. acknowledge it, but yeah, Ryan acknowledged, acknowledged it, it, and he's I amazing. I saw him in person. It was actually so this morning. They did it at halftime of the Warriors-Magic game. They did this act, this guy and his son, where and I think it's happened in Auburn Arena before in Neville Arena, um, but they stack the chairs on top of each other basically, and they go way up like fifteen chairs up, and the guy is still balancing on the top chair the whole time. Yeah. Well, 
<laughs> between that was at halftime. Between the third and fourth quarter, stuff goes out there, and he gets on a platform and he just stacks the chairs as he stands on the platform and he like looks around the crowd, like waiting for this big epic moment. And then when the music changes, he he locks the other cha- stacks the other chair on top of each other. It's like whoa, look at what I did, and it's just mimicking the guy. And the funniest part was the guy that was doing the act was handing him the chairs to do. Uh, so stuff stuff is uh pretty da- pretty dang funny. Well, I'm speaking of NBA mascots. I don't know if we've I don't know if we've ever told this story on the air, but the first time we went to SEC Media Days as a group, I think it was what 2018, 2019. Um, it, we we rolled up there and 18. it was in Atlanta, and we're trying to find circle around trying to find a place to park to go into the uh, the Omni Hotel up there to get registered, and there was an Atlanta United soccer game that had just gotten out, and we're driving up. And there's m- people everywhere walking in the street. You know, we're we're just trying to drive through, and a motorcycle pulls out in front of us from State Farm Arena. And it's Harry the Hawk, the Hawks mascot, <laughs> just riding. And it's he's by himself. Nobody with him. Nobody with him. He's on a motorcycle, and he's just riding by himself in front of us on a on Harry on the, the road. Hawk, living everyday life in Atlanta. I know. And we saw him. I saw Hooper this weekend. I saw him running around, oh. and he seemed like a really fun guy. Yeah. When I went to a Detroit Pistons game on Friday night. What's the Utah Jazz's like bear thing mascot? Human bear. I should say jazz bear is what's jazz, listed here. Jazz bear. Yeah. There's another. Uh, oh, the the uh, the Suns have a gorilla, don't they? They do indeed. For some reason. They do indeed. Yeah. You ready for a TV guide, Brooks? I always am. Okay. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. The Sports Call nightly TV guide is brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by uh, your local TK's convenience store, pick up a variety pack. Of White Claw. I watched a couple of movies on the airplane. Good. Yeah. Do you remember them? Yes. What were Wait, they? you watched a couple? How long was the flight? One there and one back. Okay, okay, okay. What'd Hour 58 minutes. What'd you watch? Yeah, what'd flight you watch? Time. What'd you watch? I watched Bruce Almighty. Okay. Okay, class. Hadn't seen it in quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> but I fell asleep watching it. Yeah, there, that, oh. that's a staple in the TV guide. And then Bruce I Almighty turned on uh, The Proposal. Okay. With Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock. That's right. The whole thing rom-com. start That's, to finish. And I love Ryan Reynolds. I, so. I miss that movie so much, and I'm yeah. glad I had it back in my life. So uh, find that, those wherever they're streaming. That's made appearances on the Nightly TV Guide as well. Yeah. You, should, you, could, you could do a movie Monday with one of those. Okay. Yeah. I could. You could. I wouldn't know what to say. I'd be like, yeah, they did Watch things. Watch because funny. Yeah. Things were good. What's on TV, Brooks? Uh, Ryan, you said something a moment ago when you were talking. What What did you say about the proposal? Minute? Oh, I was going to start doing the proposal. <laughs> no. Yeah. What did you say about the proposal? Uh, Ryan Reynolds is, is a great actor. I like He him. said something about a rom-com. No, he's, he, I was I was looking for... What, what did you say about Ryan Reynolds uh-huh. is great. He's great? I'm glad you think that because he's on the Nightly TV Guide tonight. The only movie pick I'm giving you this evening, 624 on Movie Max. It's R.I.P.D. starring Ryan Reynolds, Jeff Bridges. I was the one Ryan com- Reynolds movie that Ryan hasn't seen. Wow. You're, I mean, I have not seen it. I've, there's been a few more, but I was surprised it wasn't Deadpool. It feels like Deadpool's on every week. They are, Deadpool is, is a staple. But that is your only movie pick because, like our sponsor, White Claw, there's a variety of sports on tonight. I haven't tonight. seen R.I.P.D. either. It's not a great movie, but I I enjoy it. Brooks hasn't seen it either. I went and saw it in theaters. Literally just talked about if it was good or not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
What's on TV? I've just told you. R.I.P.D. is on your movie pick. As I said, like our sponsor, Variety of Sports on tonight. Variety Pack, White Claw. I'm going to move on. 6.30 ESPN. Uh, it is Ohio and Miami, Ohio. Some action tonight. Also at 7 o'clock. Or that's on ESPN 2. Also 7 o'clock on ESPN. Ball State Toledo is in action tonight. So some action for you. Ryan can't wait for that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to watch a second. Yeah, that's Sorry, upsetting. Uh, 6.30 TNT tonight. Something that will have a little shred of Ryan's attention, but not mainly because there's other stuff on tonight. But the Edmonton Oilers take on the Tampa Bay Lightning and some hockey tonight 6.30 TNT follow that up at 9 o'clock on TNT with the Nashville Predators heading out west to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Kraken Climate Pledge Arena is their home uh, basketball action for you tonight some college basketball 7.30 on FS1 Georgetown tips off their season from Capital One Arena in Washington D.C. as they take on Coppin State so some college basketball action for you tonight and of course some women's college basketball action for you on our sister station FM Talk 93 and of course you can watch it on the SEC Network Plus 7 o'clock Auburn tips off their season versus Sam Houston State and that is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Brooks thank you very much yes sir we certainly do appreciate it we'll see you soon okay all right Ryan LaVoy hope you enjoyed your flight movies and uh, we'll see you next time thank you buddy for being here I enjoyed it all right talk to you soon that's gonna do it for this show <laughs> literally just saying words here i'm not <laughs> that's gonna do it for today's show thank you so much to everyone that tuned in and called it thank you to eric mcdade and justin ferguson for stopping by for ryan lavoy and brooks childress my name is jj jackson thank you and good day